0: You're listening to Grace Seal Beach Sermons. If you'd like to know more about our church, go to gracesealbeach.org. Well, uh, I'm glad you're here as well. Maybe not as enthusiastic as Tim, but I am glad you're here. Uh, My name's Bob. I'm one of the other pastors here at Grace, and it's my privilege to get a talk about Christmas uh, this afternoon with you all for the next 15 minutes or so. Um, kids who are here, we're glad, you're really, we're glad you're here. In your bulletin that you got or your parents got at the door, on the back there's a little kids section. Feel free to follow along and uh, circle some of the words I say as I say them and help maybe help you listen. And uh, there's a prize for you at the uh, welcome table afterwards if you circle five of the words that I say. Here's a free one, hope. It's on there already. All right, so you got one already. Um, adults, if you really want a candy cane, you can also do that. <laughs> and I look forward to your drawings. Um, well, our church is currently going through the Gospel of Mark over the next year, and today we come to Mark one 35 to 35-39, the passage Robert read for us a moment ago that talks about why Christmas matters. Essentially, from Jesus' perspective, why does his life matter? Why did Christmas occur? Why, uh, why does Jesus matter to us today? In this little passage from Mark 1, we get to see from Jesus' perspective on why his birth has importance for us now. And what did Jesus expect to happen as a result of his life? And so that's what we're going to talk about for the next 15 minutes or so. Why Jesus saw his own life as mattering, how we can understand those expectations for us, and how we can understand the expectations of other people as well, and how Jesus responds. If there's really one word uh, that summarizes this passage, just this word, expectations. And Christmas is a time of expectations. Like, what, what are you expecting to happen today and tomorrow? What are, what are you expecting to occur? I, I have three young kids at home. My, my oldest, Andrew, here is in the front row, but we have two other young kids in the kids' area next door, and they have a lot of expectations about tomorrow, about what foods we're going to eat, when we're going to get up, uh, you know, 4.30 to open presents, <laughs> uh, what presents they might get or give to someone else, uh, what's going to happen, and when it's going to occur. I imagine you might have some expectations about tomorrow as well. Maybe if you're an adult, it's not expectations around the gifts or the food, but expectations of how people are going to behave, who's going to give you a call, uh, who's not going to throw a fit, all those sorts of things. And and you probably have some awareness that people have expectations of you. Maybe some expectations you're comfortable with. uh, Maybe some expectations that you kind of groan inwardly about. Maybe some expectations that you dread that you're not going to be able to meet and the fallout that might occur from those. Um, We all live in relational expectations with each other, and so did Jesus. That's part of his life and his story as well, which is what I think makes this passage from Mark 1 so important to talk about on Christmas. Jesus uh, in Mark 1 has healed a bunch of people earlier in the chapter in this city called Capernaum. And because of that, the people that were there, led by Simon, who's also known as Peter, and some of the other disciples, uh, expect Jesus to keep doing the same thing in the same place in the same way. And they come and find him, and they're like, Jesus... We have these expectations of you. But Jesus' response is to say, no, no, I'm not going to live based on your expectations, but my Father has given me a different reason, and a different reason for coming. And I find this such a fascinating idea, maybe because I'm more of a people pleaser, the idea that that you could just say no to doing something good, to other people's expectations, and still live in relationship with them, I think is a really important thing for us to think about this Christmas and to understand what Jesus' life was really all about. So let's get into it here in Matthew 1, and we're going to start with maybe the most obvious part of Christmas. It's that Christmas is intentional, that Jesus lived his life with expectation and that Jesus came for a reason. Part of why Christmas matters is because we believe that Jesus didn't have life just happen to him. Unlike all of us, he wasn't just born without his will or consent, that he chose to be part of this world. In that sense, Jesus' birth is fundamentally different than any other person in history, because as Christians, we believe that Jesus existed from eternity past, the second person of the Trinity, and that he participated willingly in coming to be born. That's different than all of you and me. We, we were born because of our parents' choices, not because of ours. And we kind of stumble through life sometimes wondering, am I doing this right? Am I meeting people's expectation? Am I, am I living a good life that I want to live, that I'm proud of? Jesus, on the other hand, came with reason and purpose to his life. His birth was an intervention into history. One of his early disciples, John, put it this way, uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. So why talk about this? Uh, because in our passage today in Mark, Jesus is gonna face these expectations that other people have of him. Expectations to, to do certain things on their timeline, in their way, for their benefit, and part of what grounds his ability to say, no, that's, that's not what I'm about, is this pre, pre-understanding of what his life's purpose and reason was. In verse 38, when he tells them no, it's with this response, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I have come out. That come out could have referred to Capernaum in general. He could have said, this is why I left town early in the morning. Or more generally, it could refer to the idea that this is why I've come to earth, in order to speak the gospel, to preach the gospel to those who are listening. Um, The response from Jesus shows us something important about him and about what we really need from God. Now, uh, I mentioned that sometimes I, I struggle with expectations of other people, like, is this sermon too long? Is this sermon too boring? Is anyone still listening? Um, but that's kind of my issues that i got to deal with. Maybe you struggle with expectations and meeting other people's expectations in your life. And I, I want you to see what Jesus does in response here in verse 36. The other people, it says, Simon and those who are with him search for him. And they found him, and they said, everyone is looking to you. See how Jesus experienced these expectations of other people? It's not that the expectations were bad. They were just putting pressure on him to do what they wanted. Pressure to to continue to operate in the way that they were expecting and that they had become accustomed to even just one day before. And this was a temptation of Jesus, a temptation to, to meet the expectations of other people rather than living the life God's called him to live. Um, Those of you guys who've been following with us through the book of Mark already on Sunday mornings at Grace know that earlier in Mark 1, Jesus had gone out to the wilderness, to a deserted place, a desolate place, in order to meet the temptations of the devil. This is a famous scene, maybe even if you haven't been with us on Sunday, you've heard this story about Jesus being tempted by the devil for 40 days in the wilderness. That word wilderness comes up again here about 20 verses later in Mark 1.35, when Jesus goes out to the wilderness again, and he faces this sort of second temptation Hey, this time it's not a temptation from the devil, and it's not a temptation to do something wrong, but it's the same temptation in the wilderness. Is his life going to be dictated to him by someone else, in this case, by his friends. They're going to try to capture him into their expectation of what his life is supposed to be, rather than the life the Father has called him to. This would be compelling to Jesus, or to us, I imagine, because wouldn't it be great to have people happy with you? I mean, after all, that's what a lot of us are why we're here on Christmas Eve service. We want our wife to be happy or our mom to be happy or our parents to be happy. Um, Some of you are here not because it would have been your choice to be at church today, but someone in your life that you love and you care about asked you if you'd be willing to give this to them as a gift, and it was cheaper than a Tesla, and so here you are. Um, And I imagine, not just with our friends and our family, but we bring these expectations about Jesus even today. We have sometimes these expectations that God will do what we want him to do on our timetable in our way. Much like Simon and the other disciples, we're tempted to sort of come to Jesus, even if we can't physically see him, with the idea, hey God, where were you? Like, Why didn't you do this thing that I wanted? Why didn't you meet my expectations or my timetable? It's part of why it's so important that Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because we're so tempted to want Jesus to meet our expectations rather than the other way around. Well, one of the reasons why these stories of Jesus and the disciples is just so compelling for me personally and why I find them so interesting is we can look at it through the lens of the disciples or we can look at it through the lens of Jesus. And we can say, how am I doing at responding to the expectations of other people? And man, my heart goes out to you guys because I know this is a, a rich time of year to meet other people's expectations. But it's not just this time of year. Some of you guys who are teenagers are wrestling with this. Of how do you always say and do the right thing that your peers will approve of? Or, or look the right way or dress the right way that'll be met with uh, the approval of your friends, or maybe more importantly, your enemies at school? But it doesn't just go away after being a teenager. It happens in adulthood too. Like, how, how do I put the right foot forward out there that'll help me get a date worth keeping or uh, being in a relationship worth keeping? How do I meet the expectations that my spouse has for me or that my kids have for me? How do I meet the expectations that my parents have for me? And it doesn't even go away as we get older, in old age. You know, there's still expectations to, to fit into a certain expectation of our kids or our grandkids. Expectations of our friends become even more important sometimes as we have fewer and fewer of them in old age. It's, it's something that doesn't go away throughout our life. One of the beautiful things in this passage is seeing Jesus' clarity as to who he is, what's truly important in life, and to be able to withstand the pressure of his friends in response. Man, wouldn't you want to be that sort of person like Jesus is? Who can say uh, that the expectations of other people aren't going to drive what you're going to do or when you're going to do it? Who who are even free to leave uh, the popularity of the crowd because you have such a deep conviction of what's important to do in life? Now, I imagine some of you have this objection, if you're listening through this, and saying like, This is pretty ironic that I'm at church and they're saying to not try to meet the expectations of other people. Like, isn't that kind of religion's thing? (laughs) Like, religion's thing is like God has expectations of you. You better do them, right? Some of you, that's how you experience religion. Like, uh, that that God has this list, and if you don't meet the list, you're getting coal tomorrow and forever. Um, And if that's your view of God, I can see where this would be really exhausting and and off-putting. But I think what you see in Jesus is something much more inviting, a life that he offers to you and to me. Because it's not that Jesus says, hey, I don't care what other people want. I'm going to go off and just live on my own. His groundedness of his ability to say no to the expectations of the crowd is, is grounded in a deep sense of who he is in God. Look up at verse 35 at the beginning of this passage, what starts all this. It says, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, He departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Do you notice what enables Jesus to be able to meet the expectations of the crowd and of his friends and of those around him? It's a a profound sense of who he is in God. And it's a trust in that relationship that enables him to have the strength to be able to respond to those people, even people he cared about. No, no, I'm not going to meet your expectations. I'm not going to live life on your terms because I'm committed to living the life that the Father has put in front of me. It's not that he doesn't care about those people. In fact, the reason he says no to them is so that he can go out to the crowds, out to the far towns of Galilee and proclaim the gospel to them. He's able to say no to the expectations of some in order for the good of others because of what the Father has sent him to do. Jesus' response here is surprising because he leaves a place of comfort and power and praise in order to go out to a place far from that. In a sense, this passage is kind of a microcosm of the Christmas story, because the Christmas story is a story of Jesus leaving the right hand of the Father, as, as we said earlier in the service, uh, from Philippians 2. It says, uh, Jesus did not consider equality with God a thing to be held on to, but rather he made himself nothing, emptying himself, taking on the nature of a servant. Right? Jesus was willing to give up all that. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, that the one who has existed from eternity past was willing to become a little baby. He's chosen that path in order to come near to you that you might know God. Well, I've used up my time, but a couple of questions for you as we finish up here. What do I want for you? Uh, First question for you to reflect on and to pray about this week, if you're willing to do that, is the question, what are you expecting of Jesus? What are you expecting of Jesus? What do you want from Jesus? Now, I I know on Christmas Eve, people come from all kinds of different spiritual backgrounds to this, different life backgrounds, uh, different sort of willingness or interest in, in this topic. But, but for anyone here, like, what, are you, what are you expecting from God? Uh, my experience walking with people as a pastor is that a lot, of these, a lot of times we have more expectations than we're sort of on the surface aware of. We have expectations of what sort of life we want God to give us or what sort of reputation we want give to God to give us. There's actually a lot of expectations that are there that we're not really conscious of. So I might, I'd encourage you to just ask that question, maybe even talk to God about that question. Pray about that question. God, what am I expecting of you? Um, like Simon and the other disciples, am, am, am I trying to expect things from you that you have no commitment to giving to me? And the second question is, what expectations? whose expectations matter most to you? Whose expectations matter most to you? Right? Are, are you spinning around in life because you're trying to meet the expectations of so many people, trying to keep so many people happy with you? And, and do you see in Jesus a model and a gift of how to live a life in relationship to God. My hope is that this Christmas season, all your expectations would not be met. Right? I hope that, like Jesus, you'd be able to say no to some of the expectations of other people around you. But not just capriciously or arbitrarily, but out of a deep sense of God's love for you, uh, of his, uh, his gift of his son as a savior for you, and out of a commitment to following him in your life. Uh, let's pray. God, I pray for my friends who are here um, who have a lot of expectations around them Um, they have a lot of people who uh, are turning to them or looking to them for things, and they feel a sense of of burden from that. I pray that for those people that you would find, they would find their hope and rest in you. Um, I pray for my friends here who have expectations of you, God, that they feel like haven't been met. They feel like you've let them down or you've abandoned them or you've discouraged them. God, I pray that they would find their hope and healing in your son. And I pray that for all of us who are searching for you or trying to find what it means to live a life of goodness before you, that we would find hope in the cross of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen.